Welcome to It's the Triple Play Podcast with Herd at Sports. Jabba Chamberlain, World Series champ, and the legendary Husker, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Fellas, we are just uh, 48 hours away from Nebraska baseball. Kind of a uh, Big 12 re- revival, reunion, whatever you want to call it, is Nebraska is headed down to Arlington as uh, they get going in the Shriners College Classic. And, uh, hey, some names you know, Baylor, Texas Tech, and OU. Job, I know you're shedding a tear for all of your former Big 12 brothers. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I saw that when it came up, and uh, it brought back some good memories because I was uh, had some success against those guys. So, but it's. I mean, I, I just I look forward to it for the boys too because to be able to play in that ballpark and just have that experience, and you know, obviously it's a heat wave today here in Lincoln, people. It's it's sixty degrees, so they uh, they're going to go to some warmer weather. But yeah, just seeing those names and the competition early, you know, obviously as a northern school you know you're going to be on the road for the first few weeks. So it's it's nice to be able to get these opportunities to play in some of these ballparks and, and against some of this competition and see where we're at early. And, you know, obviously with the rotation set as it is, that that's always the benchmark of what it is, but it, it's not set in stone. And, and we'll see how the boys react to, uh, to early on here in the season and, and see how – how their arms react and and how, you know, they they match up to the competition and, you know, looking forward to it and, and seeing what we're able to do. You know, we'll get into some some of the new faces on the infield, the kind of the, the fluctuation that could happen with the pitching rotation. But did you guys circle Texas? Did you circle Baylor? Or did you just put your team goals down and – worried about the the series itself i mean more so the series itself i mean early early it's tough because you're you're playing these southern schools that that have had the opportunity to be outside as you know every day and you know we, we get outside if it's above freezing here <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where you know we we've had some fortunate weather to be able to get outside so i, I don't think we're as far behind as as some years have been I mean, obviously, you know the rivalries and whatever, and and you circle them, but you can't treat any game different. And I know that's cliche to say because it's full of shit because you do treat games differently at times because of who they are. But I think early, early onset games, you are playing different competition. And I, you know, I can remember going back and we're playing Rice, and you're just like, well, you know, that's just the legacy and history of the name and and what it is. So you know, I. You treat every game the same, but but also too you don't because of the magnitude of just the reputation of what it is. But you you try not to force things and and make it more than what it is. What's your take on on quote unquote warm up games? You see that in a lot of sports. I mean, the Husker baseball team they're not starting easy. With yeah, <laughs> Baylor no warm up man. Baylor, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma is your first three to start the season down at Globe Life Field. But you see a lot of other sports, basketball in particular, football as well. You tend to start the year early and get some kinks ironed out. Is it the, the same in baseball? Because you do have some, uh, I don't want to say winnable games because baseball parity is always there and you never know. But Grand Canyon, the College of Charleston, South Alabama, you got Nichols State coming up. Uh, a lot of teams that 
aren't power five baseball you expect to be able to out recruit them are you better than them I guess time will tell but what's your thoughts on the way Nebraska starts the year against some some high level power five teams including uh, I think Texas Tech's already in the top 25 to start the year yeah. yeah I mean I guess the warm-up word you're right in the fire right now <laughs> like you're thrown into it so you know what and, and I would rather have it that way to be perfectly honest because you get a good barometer of where you're at because you obviously know the talent that we have and to be able to go into it immediately and get a and get a pretty good judge of of kind of where we're at and what we're doing um is is that the end all it means all no because you know it as as the season goes you want to grow and get better and and continue to get better but i think it's a it's a nice benchmark to have to see where you're at facing these teams that that have had a chance to be outside, obviously be in the top 25, be a power five. And I think that's just uh, I would rather have it that way. Like, throw me right into it. Let's see what we got. You know, I, there, there's no warm up. I'm ready to go. If I'm not ready to go, it's going to be it's going to show. And, and that's just the way it is. And I personally, I would rather have it that way than, you know, obviously you're going to get the nickel state. You're going to get those things. But. I would rather see what we got right now. And and then obviously there's going to be adjustments throughout the year. Like this rotation won't stay the same. Obviously there's injuries, there's, there's matchups, there's, there's whatever. So um, I, I think with, with what we've got coming into this weekend is, is going to be a good test for us all the way around. Well, it's interesting in that the teams that you're playing this weekend might be the best teams you have on your schedule until maybe late April. Mm-hmm. You know, you got, you got Indiana, Maryland, Iowa, all late April, early May, which those teams preseason kind of expected to be near the top of the Big Ten. Nebraska is expected to be there too. But you look across the rest of the schedule, and it's not teams that are necessarily baseball powerhouses. You got three really big tests to start the year, and then a nice run of games where you can, uh, I guess, grow and improve and and take some learning lessons before that that late April stretch comes. Guys, the the one thing Nebraska has had to do. Uh, since making the the, the old uh, transition to the Big Ten. And and Nebraska's never been soft at scheduling. But in the Big 12, we all know that you had more respect in that league. Mm. You had – it wasn't even a question of RPI because you were getting an RPI opportunity about every other weekend, whether it be A&M or Texas or Tech was good or Baylor was – who Nebraska was chasing as well, and, and vice versa. I mean, Nebraska, Jabba, you guys won postseason and regular season during your time as well. You went to the College World Series, for God's sake. Now you go to the Big Ten. Indiana has a little giddy-up uh, the last few years. I mean, they've been good. Michigan went to the College World Series final, the, the final series. I think that's uh, pre-COVID, uh, I believe, now. And, uh, and Maryland's been kind of hot and and they were decent way back when in the ACC but right now I mean Nebraska and Coach Bolt they've had to be aggressive to to pump up I mean you look at last year uh who they took on and and how they kind of I mean they what was it Vandy they had right so I mean that's yeah that's that's who you got to go kind of prop your name up how'd you look how'd you compete and then to your point all right what do you learn from and how do you get better for conference play well yeah and, and you bring up a good point with uh you know how the big 10 is shaped up we've we've seen you know how that's the rpis kind of hurt us in the uh 
the decision making for for our postseason stuff and you know that that was something that you never worried about in the big 12 with you know because it was every week and it was you know that that year we went to the college world series there was three teams from the big 12 that went us baylor and texas that just shows you how strong the conference was at that point and and not to say the big 10 isn't as good but i'm gonna say they it's not as good. It's you got just, about three or four teams, maybe in a good year. It's going to get better in about a year. Well, I mean, you can just look at. <laughs> we're, we're talking before the show. We're looking across some other conferences across America, and the, the best representation for how the Big Ten is treated is the Big Ten is the only one that doesn't have their preseason media poll or coaches poll up just yet. That's how baseball is treated. Is you're starting this weekend, but none of the powers that be in the Big Ten really care that much about baseball. Yeah, and it's just. I think too, it's so much at this point because all Northern, so you're not, you're not even playing each other. So it's, it's, I mean, obviously nobody really plays at conference early, but where it's just, it's not as important because they're, everybody's going South. Oh, we'll worry about it later. Mm. We'll get to it. Let's see how they do against some competition. Oh, great. Nice work. You're in, you're in a regional. Oh, sweet. You're in a super regional. (laughs) Yeah, here we go. So, yeah, I just – it's it's interesting to see. Um, we all know it's not a great baseball conference. It's getting better. I will say it's getting better. Mm-hmm. That that it is – since we since we've came in, it has 100% gotten better, and we've seen it grow, and, and hopefully we continue to grow it, and, you know, they can see the potential of what we have here. And, and I think it will, and I think just obviously with – the competition that we do play early on in the year, I, I think is, is, is a great thing. And it's only going to make us better for, like you said, Elijah, when we come into that, that late April stretch, mid to late April stretch, where it's going to be, it's going to be a grind. And, you know, being, being on the road for the first, you know, three weeks is, you know, a true test of, of what you're going to do. Cause we don't come home till March. So, <laughs> So we got a few weeks to go and it's just uh, it'll be interesting weekend to see. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how, how they play just the little things and, you know, the way they execute and, you know, strikes. I'm, I'm really interested to see the pitching staff and, and how Rob has constructed it and what he's going to do and, and to see their numbers and, and see the adjustments that that he's he has made because I know he has, and um, looking forward to see how those boys react on the on sixty feet six. Let's, let's dive into to the pitcher's mind here real fast. You being a high level guy, what from the pitching staff are you going to be watching for this weekend? Obviously, you don't want to read too much into the opening series, given that guys are going to be on pitch counts. You're trying to get their arms warmed up for the season. But what are you going to be watching for maybe both micro and macro in terms of what this this pitching staff is doing to see if they've made strides from what they, they put on the field last year? Um, at least 60% strikes, um, first pitch strikes, uh, strikeout to walk ratio at least three to one, um, winning the leverage counts, the one-one counts, um, limiting – Limiting pitches, early contact, because like you just said, I mean, most of them are going to be on pitch counts. So early contact, um, strike one, obviously, 
And I, I think just establishing a strike zone. I mean, and I think that covered both sides of the fence from the one, one counts to just strike one. And so I, I think there's just early on, you, you don't want to try and do too much, but also two, you're like, okay, this is my opportunity to, <clears throat> to show against these guys. So it, it, it's, it's tough being on both ends because you understand the situation, but this leads into, okay, I'm, I'm pitching against these guys early on in the year. You know, this is, this is my chance to ball out and show out. So you try not to do too much, but you've got to do the common things uncommonly well. And that's throwing strikes, establishing the strike zone, limiting walks. You know, it's, it's going to be hard, especially with the competition that we're playing. But if you do that, success will happen. And, you know, you work fast, keep a great tempo, a great pace, you know, make sure your defense is on their toes. They don't get on their heels. And I, I think that's just the recipe for success. And then just a great tempo, a great everything. And I think that just with everybody, I, I think that just is, is a, recipe for success in where nobody gets complacent they don't get mundane they don't get on their heels and now there's a play to be made and now boom you make it instead of like oh i missed it java chamberlain elijah herbal chris schmidt the triple play podcast i need to mention uh, we'll do next episode at the top of the show you want to follow us do so at the triple play pod on twitter and triple play Uh, is what you type in for YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, where you can get the audio version of this podcast. And uh, Jabba, let's talk about the rotation. We'll get into season expectations and some some new faces on the infield. But, uh, of course, uh, going and taking the hills, Brett Sanders against Baylor, Will Walsh against Tech, Caleb Clark, uh, thought on on those three guys. Uh, I know that they've impressed to get the opportunity. And I want to start, though, with a name that we we're all kind of chirping about here uh, last episode. And as we get into, you know, regular season action, we were all excited about Drew Christo, the, the junior right-hander. And, you know, Bolt said in his presser this week, the uh, Elkhorn graduate in the mix – uh, as the uh, season continues, but he's not hurt, but his arm hasn't felt 100% the movement on his pitches. So he'll be available for relief this weekend. He's going to build up to starting workload. T, leave that for me. W- what is that in pitcher speak? Um, it is he's not ready yet. It's there's no panic. Um I think obviously his workload in the summer may have a little bit to do with it, but also too, it's, it's where it's somebody you're going to rely on and you don't want to push him too fast, too early and get him to where he's comfortable because if he starts forcing stuff and pressing, you know, it, then, then he's no good for you the rest of the year. So I, I think that's just one of those slow plays where it's like, hey, we're still going to use him, we're going to get him comfortable, and we're going to make sure he's ready for the long haul and not just 
you know, it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We got 50, I think 52 of these things or whatever it is. So I, I think that just the encryption in it and reading between the lines is let's, let's be here for the long haul and not just the short term and make sure he's, he's ready, not only physically, but mentally. And, and I think that's one of the things that people kind of overlook a lot is the fact if you're not right up here, then, then everything else ain't going to play itself out. So, you know, make sure and, and don't let, don't feel like it's a demotion because it's not, we all know he's going to be a part of the team and, and, and be a big part of the team, but you got to get him right both physically and mentally to where, you know, this, this season is long and it's a grind and, you know, hopefully, you know, there's more games than 50 and, and to be able to have him mentally and physically prepared, I, I think is, is the biggest thing. And I think that's, just reading in between the lines, I think that's that's where they're at. How, how do you know if a guy's mentally right? Is that on the guy? Is there anything you can see in, in the coaching or from from the coaching staff's perspective? What what would show you? I guess if you go back to your MLB career, how did you know if you were you were mentally ready to go for a starter for an appearance? Um, you just you you kind of tell in actions, and actions speak louder than words. And sometimes, sometimes. Dudes are great about just be like, you know what? I'm not right yet. And you know what? I need to figure some stuff out. And, you know, that's self-awareness. And not a lot of people have it. Um, and it's just, it's hard. It's hard to admit sometimes that you're not mentally ready. But all great coaches see it. And then that's that's a conversation where you come up and be like, hey, man, you are right. Like, oh, I just, I don't feel right. You know, there's something here. And it's. You know, and, and that can be obviously both physically and mentally. And I think it's just internally, you know, um, and I think internally it shows just with your body language, your demeanor, um, your attitude. There's so many aspects that go into that where, you know, coaches are very aware and they know their players and they've been around them long enough to know that, you know, something's a little off. You know, when you feel a little off and you're just like, uh, you woke up and you're just like, ah, it's just the wrong side of the bed a little bit. You're cranky for no reason. Just no, you, you don't know why. You're just like, ah, eh, shit. All right. But yeah, so it's just, I think it's just demeanor and, and they see it, but I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hit the panic button yet. People like, well, we'll be all right. So, um, you know, just get him out there, get confidence and, and get him where he needs to be and, and, you know, that's just another added arm and depth that uh, hopefully our, our pitching staff continues to grow and 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 get more depth. So because we, we all know injuries happen and and that's part of the game. But um, the depth that we have, I think, is is going to be a, a big, big weapon for us. It's Java Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, Triple Play podcast here on Herd Ed Sports and. You know, we, we talk about uh, the the mental and physical of, of baseball and how much of a mental game baseball is. We look at Sears, you know, and, and the thing that sticks out to him about him is, is his control, right? The ERA was one thing. His uh, walk-to-strikeout ratio was strong, and his, his repertoire of pitches – is is someone he's he's one guy to to watch in this rotation that's gonna get a shot to to impress he's he's one name of many that are are 
poised for bigger roles. And as we kind of put our arms around expectations, guys, you know, I, my expectation, I think Will's expectation, Rob's expectation uh, to, to, to obviously compete for a Big Ten regular season and postseason championship and, and clean up those ills last year, take a jump as a staff because your offense was there a year ago. It's going to be a different offense this year with uh, how they, they get runs, maybe not as much power, but they'll be able to, to, to have some power, but we don't know if it's going to be as much long ball. You lost a couple of big, uh, big guns to the Major League Baseball draft for sure, but you know, as we look at this season, uh, Jabba, we'll start with you. Elijah, I want your thought too, man, on, on where Nebraska should, should be here um, as, you know, Friday's D-Day and we fast forward to, to season expectations. Is this a team that can get back to, you know, a regional? Is that a, is that a minimum requirement for you? I mean, I would say at this point, yes. Um, anything less than that is obviously with, with the talent that we have and, you know, offensively is going to be, is going to be a little bit different. I mean, we're going to have to get creative and score some runs a little bit differently, I think, but with the arms that we got and, and it's proven that, you know, pitching can get you there Mm -hmm. and we have that opportunity. And and I think expectation wise, if, if we're, I mean, if we're looking at it as a whole, I, I think, great opportunity to win the big 10. Um, I think it's a four headed race probably if, if we're, if we're talking about it right now. Um, and I, I just think with some changes that, that they've made and obviously having Rob, Rob behind the pitching staff and, and doing what he does. Um, I think that's just, that's the standard. And, and bringing in a man like that with with the pedigree that he has, and and obviously I think that's that's Will's expectation and and, and all of them, and I, I think they need to expect that from the get go and have that mindset, and anything less than that is a failure, and that that's easier said than done. I understand that, mm-hmm. I, I I get that, but it's also you need to be able to have that output of the understanding of that is is where we should be not where we want to be where we should be and and i think that mental part of it of of that self-talk instead of want should will you know be able to instill in their minds that we are good enough and that's where we should be not where we want to be. And I, I think whenever you look at this season as a whole, one of the big pluses is like, uh, as much as I, I hate to say it, like the expectations this year in the Big Ten are really on Iowa. Iowa is the team that following their year last year, I mean, they almost made a super regional, came within a couple of outs, if I remember correctly. They have a great pitching staff. Like that's where the expectations are. And in a place like Nebraska, especially playing in the Big Ten with how well Nebraska recruits, the resources, the the fans that you get. Nebraska's always expected to be near the top, but you look back to last year where you had guys like Max Anderson and, and, and Bryce Matthews. Those guys 
had expectations surrounding them. And I don't think that was a complete team last year, especially whenever you saw what you had in the bullpen. Uh, whenever you had to go to that bullpen in midweek games, the team really tended to struggle. You had guys in, in Bryce and Max. You were scoring that, seven the, runs midweek, and you were still losing games. Exactly. exactly. You had guys in, in Bryce and, and Max, I think, tried to press at times last year because they knew how important their offense was going to be whenever you consider like the expectations. This is a team that has fewer expectations. I think that's actually a positive for this baseball season because based on the talent that you're able to bring in here, you're still, as Jabba said, expected to be competing among the top four in the Big Ten. And it kind of reminds you of back of that, that 20, was it 2019 season uh, where you, you, you give Arkansas all they can handle in the regional. Like, kind of shades of that season where it's more well-rounded. I don't think there's necessarily the outside expectations coming into it. And you're in a place where, given your talent, I think you should be able to realistically win all of your weekend series once you get into Big Ten play. And the way the schedule sets up for you, as I kind of said, it's late April and May whenever you really, really have to start turning things on. So you have a long run out to figure out some things about your team, get it together, and then you look. Uh, it's, it's Maryland, April 19th through 21st. Then the following weekend is Iowa, the 26th through the 28th. Uh, and then two weekends later, you have Indiana, May 10th through May 12th. Those are the three series that might tell the story of the season. And I think what's going to be really, really good for this team is it's a long time until you get to those really, really important series. You have some time to learn some things about yourself, not deal with those expectations. And given the teams you're playing early, maybe the expectations won't get as high as they potentially could have last year with some uh, some draft prospects on your team. I think things set up well for this team in that regard that you don't have to live up to the expectations early. You have a long time before, you know what, you have some big series and uh, you can learn some things about yourself in that time. I, I, I like how this season sets up given that that considering Nebraska's place in the Big Ten isn't, isn't as high as expectations, in my opinion, as, you, as you'd traditionally get. thing you have is your own expectations, right? Mm. You don't have all the outside noise. You don't have all of the hype or preseason ranking or, I mean, all that's wanted. <laughs> Nebraska baseball fans and Nebraska baseball wants to get back to that area. I think one position group that can maybe maybe settle in this this team is your outfield i mean you've got 172 combined starts in the outfield uh, swanson the returning home run the big bopper from the big 10 18 bombs you had anglum uh great hitting was just getting it to all fields before that hammy and of course uh, cole evans Evans, uh, the lone returning 300 hitter on the team. So he's a guy that can make contact and find a hole. But when you look at that experience, Java, speak to experience and how that, that, that's so big on a ball club because you're going to be leading on some new faces and some, some maybe unproven faces, yet you've got some old guard there patrolling the outfield. Yeah, I think with – with those guys and, and the experience and it's, it's kind of, you take the bull by the horns at that point, you know, you, you, you have, you have different sets of leaders and, and there's, there's the leaders that are vocal. There's the leaders that show it by actions. And then there's the leaders that do both. And, you know, I think we have that in, in so many different areas and, being able to lean on those guys' experience with the new guys coming in, I think is just it's such an added value 
and and to know there there's nothing going to be too big for him and being able to put your arm around the guy if you feel like it's you know it's getting too fast for him be like hey relax you know it, it it'll come to you and i think that's it's it's so big to have different aspects of leaders and you know you can you can go up and down the board of of how they're going to impact the game in in the things that they do so i, I think that's a that's a great start and i, I think that's where it'll come from with the way those guys have proven themselves and played already. Jabba, let's uh, spend a little bit more time here on Childress and your relationship with him. And, and I, we go back to pitching because it takes uh, enough offense. <laughs> it takes uh, good defense and, and Nebraska should be better uh, defensively this year. And then you need that pitching to to do all the things you touched on, and that's get strikes, throw strikes, compete. And was there something that the Childress, did he have, I don't know, uh, for lack of a better term, something equivalent to like a black shirt for guys that were in his rotation, guys he leaned on? Because I know he's got shirts made this year. That that have, you know, some some pretty important tenets to uh, to what it takes and what it means to be a Nebraska pitcher. But I think there's compete several times on said shirts that that, that is literally that was the one. Like you literally took everything I was just going to say. Okay, well, I, I, <laughs> so was there a ceremony? Was there a paddle involved? I mean, talk to me a little bit about the uh, the shirts Rob Rob had for you guys. No, I mean not necessarily. That was that was exactly what he wanted to do because he would come out and say the same thing all the time, and like the way the consistency of how he approached you guys and everything. And he goes, "There's gonna be days you feel like crap," but he goes, "Compete for me. That's all I ask because sometimes that wins, and if you outcompete the next guy." then we're already winning. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it's a mindset too. And I think that's, that's where he's going with it more so than, than just it as a word, mm-hmm. because you're not only competing for yourself, you're competing for your team. And you, you have to do that and you have to buy in and you have to believe it. And it, it's something that it, it's crazy after all these years when my son was there a couple of weeks ago and him talking, it was like I was in college again. Like it hasn't changed because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. And and that's just the way he is. And, you know, it's consistency. It's competing. Guarantee when we get a chance to talk to him, he does his 10 game checkups. That, that's just, that's what it is. And it, it's something where he's, he's found a recipe for success and and I think that word is probably the most prominent in there, and being accountable, and and that's why we do the ten game checkups. We all got to be held accountable. We're not just one person; we're a whole. Uh, and I think that's just something that he obviously believes in because he's still doing it. It's it's amazing to hear these things and see him 
and it feels like it takes me right back to college and, and getting yelled at. So it, it, it feels good. It feels good. Well, well t- take me really fast to your professional career because you played along some all-time greats. I mean, Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter. How did those guys compete on a, a day-in, day-out basis? How did they show that? How did the, the, the best in the world, some of the greatest to ever do it, how did they instill kind of that, that mentality of competition, not only within themselves but also within their teammates? Consistency. It was day in, day out. I mean, it was literally Derek would eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day. Like, it, but it's just those little things. Like, people think that's stupid, but it's the consistency of how you prepare every day mm. and the way you do it. Some people are there super early. Some people are there later. But all the great ones that I've seen, it has just been the absolute consistency of whatever. Like, Mo, when he would warm up, Literally, I think his heartbeat dropped because he never rushed. And he always said, he goes, what's it matter? I get seven on the mound. He would grab his weighted ball, do the little flingy flingy. Then he'd grab the ball and he never rushed. And it was just the the way that like some of us get amped up and get going and like we want to go, go, go. Like I said, I think his heart rate dropped. And then playing with with another great closer in Joe Nathan. Mm-hmm. Consistency. We played long toss every day. We did the same thing every day. And that's just the guys that I've seen be extremely, extremely successful in Hall of Famers was just the way that they went about their work every day and the consistency of what it was and, and the understanding of what I need to get in. And sometimes, you know, it may have been 10 swings. Sometimes it may have been 50. But the fact is they still did it. And it was it was always time regimen. Literally, I heard a story about Wade Boggs where it'd be mid-conversation and it would be like 346 or whatever the time was. Mid-conversation, peace out, he's gone. Mm. Because that's his routine. That's the consistency of what you need to prepare for what you're doing. And I, I think that's... That's the biggest thing that that I've gone back and like looked at and tried to come across to my son of of being great, just not good, be great, is the consistency of what it is. And and shout out to David Schwartz at Kratos, because I, I know there's consistency there because it, it it's hitting the pocketbook a little bit. <laughs> but but you're saying I guess to 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 sum it all up. One of the things you'll be looking for this season in terms of what is this team ceiling is do they treat the the College of Charleston the same way they treat Texas Tech in terms of how they go out there and how they treat their at-bats and how the pitchers go work? Yeah, and, and we've, we've touched on this before. It's like Schmitty just said, we scored seven runs, average seven runs in midweek and we were losing. And it's those midweek games are just as important. and And I think that's that's a mindset that we need to figure out and understand that those are just as important mm. and, and fix it. I, I think our bullpen is probably a huge aspect of that. If I'm being perfectly honest and finding, finding those arms that, you know, can, can finish some games and, and get you out of tough situations. And, you know, I think we, we have the arms to do it. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of freshmen that are going to come in and help us. Um, just seen on the D1 top freshman impact was Hara Hill and, and Tucker Timmerman from from Beatrice. So um, 
you know, you're going to have guys like that, that, you know, and, and that's what these early games can do. I mean, I went to Carney and came here. I wasn't, I wasn't a weekend guy, but I got a chance to start and it worked out. Okay. <laughs> um, so that's what I, I love about these early ones, because it's like, you're finding out who, who's going to lay them out on the line for you. Who, who's going to let them hang a little bit and go to work. So um, yeah, like you said, Elijah, it's just treating every game, not like it's game seven, but it's not like, oh, we're just, we're just going to beat them. Yeah, don't don't come in overconfident uh, and and let the uh, the roller coaster take over on the diamond. You're talking routine, and I was pretty intrigued to hear about Mo and Derek and Eddie uh, Eddie David Wells uh, stories of of his routine. What what did, what did David Wells do? I know you weren't there when he was there, but I'm sure Wellsy may have came up once or twice in the clubhouse. I don't think he had a routine. <laughs> it may involve a few cocktails. W- w- wake up and <laughs> where's my hat? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, shit, he wore Babe Ruth's hat one I, game. I know. How'd, how'd that happen? Well, he, he got it at an auction, and being Boomer, as he is, and he, he dances to the beat of his own drum, and he literally was like, I'm going to wear it. And then they were like, <laughs> no, that's, that's not going to happen. He ended up selling it for like 600000 or something like that. It was something crazy. But, yeah, it was – that that's him, though. That's what made him successful. I mean, he don't remember the first five innings. It was a perfect game. He was hung over, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was at Dorian's the night before. <laughs> Uh, to be uh, to be that talented, and 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 throw a perfect game hungover, we need need more Gatorade, fellas. Well, think about the confidence of wearing Babe Ruth's hat on the baseball diamond. How about having the jack to buy it in the first place and then make a profit <laughs> off it after you wore it? <laughs> That's a businessman yeah, right there. You know, it's going to be worth more once he wears it again. Now it's now it's doubly rare. Yeah, guy with a perfect game and Babe Ruth. Mm. Uh, Add another hundred grand to it. It's different than than uh, Babe Ruth's uh, legendary two beers and a couple of hot dogs between double headers. <laughs> diet of champions, right there. <laughs> well, speaking of I diet, wish, I wish it could be. Man. I was I was seeing this story this week, Job, and I want to get your take on it. Is it true that Major League Baseball has a every season an annual cheesesteak eating competition among teams? Is that a real thing? I saw. I'm not sure if if this was uh, around whenever you in were there. Philly. In Philly. In Philly. Yep. In I, Philly, I think the record's like 14. Who? Uh, it was a bullpen catcher. <laughs> it's Mike Spanky Lavalier. <laughs> I think. I but I think I think the the record for like uh, a series is like 30 something over the course of. Uh, three game set. Yeah, and that was some yeah, some, no. uh, some assistant coach was sitting in the dugout just hammering cheesesteaks. Yeah, you got to like thirty something over the course of a three game series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, in Philly every year they they're fantastic. It's it's awesome. That's about the that's about the only thing there. I mean, I remember you sit in the bullpen. Fans will try to throw you food, and you're like, God, you never know what could be in that. <laughs> 
I will pass. Did, did you get you. involved in the cheesesteak eating contest? No, no, no. I'm fat enough. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't need to get any bigger. Um, but no, I, I, I would dabble. I would have one a day for sure. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's not eight. No. no or 14. No. But that, that's your protein. <laughs> Peppers and mushrooms, baby. That's it. That's no onions. Good. Yeah, you got to hold the onions. Oh, you guys are crazy. Oh, I'm just saying he's thinking, <laughs> he's thinking of others, even though it's an outdoor sporting event. He's thinking of others in the bullpen and those in the dugout, I, I assume. No, well, I just don't like onions. You just don't like onions? <laughs> trying to make you a noble, <laughs> no. noble considerate, considerate dude, no, Java. hold the mushrooms. Give me the peppers no, and the onions. See, now you're screwed up. You don't hold mushrooms. Yeah, you're out. Well, you just don't, <laughs> need, mu- you don't need mushrooms on a cheesesteak. Yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. You need it all. If we're just going to be flat out honest, to do it right, you need you need the mushrooms and the onions. And I, had, I had to learn the I had to learn the vernaculars though when I got there because it was like whiz 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 without. I was like, what the hell does that mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you want the cheese I had or no not? Idea. Ah. Yeah, well, yeah, but I, I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Jabba Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, Triple Play Podcast. Subscribe. Give us a follow on Twitter. The Trip Play Pod is the handle. Give that a follow. And Triple Play Podcast with Herd at Sports on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes. Guys, as we wind down, uh, 97 home runs. I want to go to the offense. We've spent time on pitching. We've talked uh, projections. Uh, you have uh, Brumbaugh at second base. Of course, Casey's moving over to shortstop. Stone and Sanders are your two lefty options at first base. We touched on the outfield. Uh, we've hit on the starting rotation down in Arlington, and that's in flux. I want to go with just overall as Dylan Carey's moving uh, into to third base. And uh, so that is pretty important. Uh, you, you have uh, Carey with a guy that really had, uh, you know, that, that arrow pointed upward. The versatility is big for this offense. But what's a, a good pop number? If you're not going gorilla ball and hitting damn near 100, that, that's excessive. That's, that's an impressive offensive season. That said, what's, what's a good happy medium? Half of that going, going for 50 bombs? You put a number on it. I don't think you necessarily put a number on it just because you never know. Um, you put a number on it and you don't hit it. You're like, oh, but then you put a number on it and you far succeed it. You're just like, oh, we didn't give us enough credit. I don't think there's a number you put on it. I think there's there's ceilings of these guys with potential to to be able to to do some things and leave the yard a little bit more than they have before. And you know, like you said with Dylan, and his his ceiling as as his season last year kind of trended in the in the upward direction and what he can do and and the confidence that he built throughout the season. I, I think there's there's not a number to be put on it. I think we need to take advantage of runners in scoring position. We weren't super great at that last year, and you know I think it's when when we have those advantages and and it's doing doing the little things. You know you you've got a guy on second less. You know, with no outs, it's it's making sure we get the ball to the right side or get a bunt down, mm-hmm. and and have those chances to score. So I I think more importantly is it's not the number of home runs, but it's a number of opportunities that we take advantage of and don't lose. And I think that's that's a bigger 
bigger number that we need to focus on with runners in scoring position with less than two outs and and getting them home in some way, shape, or form. I think home runs will come. We've got the guys with the ability to do it, but the ability to do the small things to get that that necessarily aren't in the scorebook and, and to do those things where we can, you know, maybe steal a game two to one because we got the guy over in the sack fly and boom, there we go. We win two to one. And, you know, that's not going to go in the scorebook, but at the same time, it, it, it's probably the most important bat of the game. And it, it just goes shows selflessness and the understanding of, of what it takes in a complete game to win from from top to bottom. And I, I think that should be our focus more offensively than just the numbers as a whole is is doing those those little things and, and helping one another succeed and, and be able to take advantage of the runs while we can. Bullpen, last thought, Jabba, you know it well. Uh, it's a full reset. You've got uh, uh, five newcomers that have combined for 38 uh, college career games. It's got to be, it's got to be done right, but it's got to be done better this year. Yeah, huge. I mean, that's that's a huge part of it. Um, I think there's there's been so much more focus on the bullpen of years. And, you know, just it gets overlooked a little bit, I think, sometimes in the in the college realm. And it's just they always look at the closers throwing, you know, 98, whatever. But somebody's got to get him the ball. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's where we need to find find those two or three guys that we can situational or we can, you know, rely on them in in more ways than one. And I, I think. That's that's going to be an integral part. I think that's it, it's getting overlooked a little bit by a lot of people, I think, and, and how important that is. And if we tie that up a little bit, that, that's that's going to win win a lot of games for us. And I, I think it's it's huge. I think it's important. And to be able to to have a handful of guys down there that you can rely on and then hopefully, you know, somebody somebody takes one of those steps where it's like, all right. He's closing for us. He's he's getting the ball every chance he gets. And, you know, I always love when somebody, you know, takes the bull by the horns and is like, you know what, here we go. Like, I want to be that guy. And hopefully somebody does that. I, I think there's there's plenty of arms down there that can. We'll see what happens. Job, as we wind it down here, I want to look specifically at this opening weekend and get back to business with what's coming up. Baylor on Friday, Texas Tech on Saturday, and then Oklahoma on Sunday. It's a two-part question, but – kind of goes hand in hand first in your opinion does the win loss record matter this weekend uh or is it more about what you learn i guess that that's kind of the, the second part to my question what do you think we realistically can learn about this baseball team this weekend well we're gonna learn a lot um not not necessarily as a whole but we're gonna learn a lot very very quickly in what the capability of some guys are obviously it, it's going to grow and, and, and change throughout the season. But I think the win loss is, is a factor. I wouldn't say it's the biggest one. Um, obviously you don't want to go in three. I mean, that, that's, that's just the way it is, but I think it's the little things like we've talked about throughout and, it, and it's, you know, making the simple plays it's, 
getting guys over. It's getting your bunts down. It's just all that. I, I think that's that's what I'll probably be looking at more so in 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 reading in between the lines. And are we going to go three and zero? No, that, that's that'd be unrealistic. If we do, fantastic. Be a lot cooler I, if they did. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I would. I'd be jumping up and down. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, I'm not rooting for us to lose by any means, but I'm also realistic. I think I think we can get one or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's early for everybody. So, you know, it's obviously they've been outside more, but you know, it's it's early for everybody. So, I, I think when you got chips, you got a chair, you got a chance. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think wins and losses is it's always a factor right i mean it's you you can downplay it as much as you want but you don't want to go on three but i think more importantly is just being able to read between the lines and see you know our like we started last year we were walking 12 dudes like it, that just can't happen i mean and and that's the things that i i think i'll look at more than than anything how about this for some breaking news as we close the pod, guys? We were talking earlier about how the Big Ten has not released their preseason poll. As we re- as we record this ding, on a Wednesday ding, afternoon, ding. ding, 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 the Big Ten releases their preseason poll. Nebraska picked fifth behind Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, and Iowa. So that's your, your top five according to the preseason poll. Iowa at one, Indiana at two, Maryland at three, Rutgers at four, Nebraska five. And to round out the, the top six, you have Michigan coming in sixth in the preseason poll. Jabba, how's that strike you? Doesn't surprise me, but it's that's it's called preseason for a reason. Mm. We won't end up there, I promise you that. Hmm. Well, lots of time. See how the Huskers do down in Arlington. Jabba will check in next week. Elijah, good to spend some time. Chris Schmidt, Triple Play Podcast with Herd and Sports. Back at you next time.